It's Driving Change from ATI. I'm Jeff Berman. This podcast was created to improve our members' experience and to further assist with their growth. My hope is that you'll find the stories you hear from fellow shop owners relatable to where you are, where you were, or where you want to be. Ultimately inspiring you to take that next necessary step. You'll be hearing how others fought the same fight and what they did to get through it and come out better on the other side. Tune in each month for another inspiring story to drive change in your shop. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jeff Berman here. I'm here with Mitch Schneider. Hey, and we, we are so excited to come back to you now for a second time on this Driving Change podcast with Jeff and Mitch. So, Mitch, welcome back. Good to have you. How, how are things out in sunny California? Hot, hot, too hot, really hot. 102 <laughs> degrees hot. 102. I was in Vegas last week. It was 112. So, yes, uh, you win. But that was a dry heat, right? <laughs> yeah. Our son went to school in Tucson. Both our kids went to school in Tucson, Arizona, University of Arizona. My, my son called me up um, one day and he said, you know what I'm doing? I said, no, I have no idea what you're doing. He says, I'm frying an egg on the street. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I mean, he was. He took a picture of it. You say, why didn't he TikTok that or something? Isn't that what? No, no. Days? My kids are too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, my kids went there. Uh, they graduated in when they graduated in '96 and 2000. So yeah, that's uh, they're about my age then. Yeah, my son is 47. Yeah, a little younger than me. Graduated in '96. I got married in '96. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated it. in '86. There you go. Yeah. All right. So Mitch and I are here today. What, you know, what you probably don't know is Mitch and I just spent over an hour chatting and said, oh, maybe we should start a podcast. So, <laughs> so we decided that um, we were going to talk a little bit about customer service today. And uh, what do we decide to title it, Mitch? Understanding the discomfort on the other side of the service counter. That That's what we want to talk about today. So hope everybody is excited about this because I think it's definitely a topic that most, you know, we could easily say automotive shop owners, but I'd say most businesses just don't understand. What do you think, Mitch? I don't think I don't think people have a clue. Uh, I don't think that we that within the context of our busy lives, we, we take the time necessary to think of, of about what it's like to be that other person. We're too busy thinking about what we need to do in order to satisfy their wants, needs, and expectations to ever ask them what their wants, needs, and expectations <laughs> are. So it's like, which which makes no sense to me. I mean, it was like. And don't misunderstand me. There were there were years, perhaps decades, when when I was the poster child for doing it all the wrong way. But I think my enlightenment started with a friend of mine who who made a, a statement, you know, really kind of innocently, talking about what occurs when a, when somebody brings their car in. And he said that, you know, he said he said you could do a really lousy job. You could fail miserably taking care of the customer's wants, needs, and expectations when they brought the car in. You could you could misdiagnose it. You could not repair it properly. They could have a problem with it when they they got home. But if you did a, a good customer relations job, if you managed everything that occurred at the counter properly, if you managed the interactions that took place after that, you're more than likely going to get a second chance to you know to have an opportunity to work on that vehicle again. But if you if you did a great job fixing the car, eliminating the problem, taking care of whatever it was that, that disturbed that client and did a lousy job managing the relationship at the counter, the relationship through the process, the relationship after the vehicle was delivered. You'd never see that customer again, period, end of report. So it's important that we take the time 
to just stop and think about what's going on when that man or woman is standing in front of you, you know, when that car is, is pulled down your driveway and just stop and reflect for a moment on what it took for them to get there. Forget everything else. What, what it took for them to get there. What a kind of arrangements they had to make in order to get that car to you and to be inconvenienced and be without that car, how they had to double up on whatever it is that they had to do, how they had to make other arrangements for the kids to be picked up at school or dropped off at the soccer field or little league field. Not, not to mention the fact that it's an unbudgeted expense, that whatever is wrong with that car, unless it's normal service and they had time to prepare for it because they knew exactly what it was going to cost, they have no idea what they're in for. Financial, like it or not, admit it or not, for the most part, that could be crushing, you know, a crushing financial blow to most families today because it wasn't expected. So I think it's important that we have a little bit of, of empathy, perhaps. There's a, a, there's a big word. There's a big word. You know, empathy is not sympathy. There's a big difference. You know, empathy literally is experiencing, understanding, experiencing what the customers feel like, using your own life experience to ensure that you put yourself in your customer's position. I used to do it physically at the shop. I used to, there were Quite often, uh, times where I would actually move away from the computer and move outside the counter around to the other side of the counter. And let me tell you something. Things do look different from the customer's perspective. They really do when you're on the other side of that counter. So I think it's important. I was just going to ask real quick if I can. I'm curious about something. And I don't don't know from your experience if you can relate to this or not. But from my experience in speaking with so many shop owners, I know you spoke to many yourself. What I've noticed is, is that very often they either came from a whole life starting with cars or it was so long ago that they were a consumer of a business that they either have never experienced it or don't remember what it's like because it's been many, many, many years. They grew up in the shop. They always had someone to fix their car. They never really experienced what it was like to be a true consumer, to deal with some of these challenges you mentioned, like, you know, getting, you know, getting the spouse to help with the ride and then moving the car seats and, you know, people being late for work and other arrangements being made and, you know, maybe a neighbor helping out or getting a sitter, a million things that might have to happen. You know, it takes a village just to get that car to that shop. You know, would you say it's a fair statement to say that most shop owners don't understand that pain. Never been well, through that pain. I don't think I don't think most shop owners have ever taken the opportunity either to take their car to a different shop, mystery shop, another shop to see how well or how poorly they do, right? See how different it is from their own experience. And I think that's an that's important. I mean, you know, it's important to knock, you know, take three hundred dollars out of your budget and, and take the car to another shop just to see what that experience is like. Because I know it's going to be just as stressful for that shop owner to leave their own shop because they know that everything's going to fall apart the minute they walk out the door, right? So they're not going to want to leave and, and take that opportunity to see what somebody else is doing. Or, or uh, you know, how many, sh- how many shop owners have taken their, their car to a quick service, you know, lube facility to see what it's like to get a, a quick service lube? I'm trying really hard not to mention names, right? So <laughs> because be, it's like, you know, it's like saying Kleenex, right? Right. <laughs> That's a brand, right? <laughs> or, Z- or Xerox, right? It, right. It, it's that kind of a thing. But I, I, I think it's really, and, it, and if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to take your car in to see what it's like to take your vehicle into another shop uh, and experience that, then just think of what it's like to go into a restaurant or think of what it's like to go to your doctor or think of what it's like to go to a dentist or think of what it's like to go anywhere else where you're the client and try and go ahead and extrapolate that into understanding, you know, what's, all of us are over-programmed. All of us are really busy. 
Our, you know, our kids are overprogrammed uh, if we're young enough to have young kids or, or or our in my case, my grandchildren, you know, to a large degree are overprogrammed. They don't have a minute's rest between what the, the different things that they're, they're doing. So if you don't stop and recognize the huge commitment the client has already made just by showing up and have a deep appreciation for what that sacrifice means, then you're in real trouble because it could seem you, you could really very easily uh, be perceived as being callous in your, you know, unfeeling, unthinking when it comes to, to as I said before, the sacrifice that that human being has made just to bring their vehicle to you, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Not know, even if it's a simple service, not knowing what the inspection is going to turn up, you know, and, and where it goes from there. And if, if you're not sensitive to those re very real needs, psychological needs, you're starting out as, at a disadvantage because I believe that the shops that are sensitive and do understand that are going to have a tremendous advantage in not only making customers. It doesn't matter how many customers you make. And I think that's taken for granted, Jeff. I really do. I think it, it doesn't matter how many customers you make. What matters is how many you get to keep. Wow, that's that's so true. <laughs> you know, and, they, they and, don't look at it that way. Just, you know, you teach a marketing yeah. class, right? Yeah, I do. What's the average investment that, that a shop owner makes in order to get that person in front of them on the other side? of the service cap? It varies, but I would say first-time investment, especially these days with everything getting so expensive, somewhere between three to $500 to see them that first time. Okay. That's a that's a pretty good investment. That's a sizable investment. That's right. And, and then here's the other side of it. 60% of them typically don't come back. Why? Why is it? Because we and, don't have- Wait, wait. That's, that's don't come back a second time. And after a second time, another 60% of them don't come back. So- it just continually drops. How much does it, but how much does it, of that $350, and I think it's more than that. I think you'll find that it's really higher than that because of all the wasted dollars that are not spent intelligently on marketing or by not understanding what marketing is. I mean, 90% of the shop owners in the country haven't gone to a marketing class, so they have no, you can fill in whatever word yes. you want to that blank space. <laughs> I saw it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, you know what that marketing is costing them, but how much does it cost if you're successful with both managing the repair process and managing the relationship to get them to return? It's a fraction of that. Yeah, it's, it's 50 to 100 bucks to keep them coming back per year versus the 500 or more it's going to cost to get them in the door. I, I used see, to tell people when I did my seminar, leave and never come back. It was seven to 22 times more to get a customer to come into the shop than it was to keep one. Did you say seven to 22? Yeah, seven to 22 times more, <laughs> depending on how effective your marketing is. That's an interesting statistic. How do we get for, how do we go from seven to 22? I mean, that's very odd numbers. Because there's, there, there are shop owners out there that are just wasting thousands of dollars on marketing that doesn't work. They're casting a wide net. They, they don't, they're, they're, using the wrong bait to fish for the kind of fish that they want. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's tragic. And I think that the important, it is so critically important that each shop owner understands the value of the, that individual that's standing in front of them, not number one. And number two, and I think the only word to use intelligently here is sacrifice that they've made to be there and that that they empathize with whatever their fears, genuine fears and concerns are, because as we've talked about in the past, this is an unbudgeted expense for most families. They don't have any dollars put away for auto repair. They don't have a cookie jar with money in it for, you know, automotive maintenance, repair and service. They didn't, they'll go to the, they'll go to the pet store and they'll buy a puppy 
and they'll take it home knowing that they have to feed it and they have to clean up after it. And then ultimately they'll have to take it to the vet and that's all okay. And then they'll buy a car and think that it's going to last forever without maintaining it or spending any money on it at all. So if you, if you don't empathize with the client and the effort that they've made to come to you, and you take that for granted, you're doing, I, I think, in my opinion, you're doomed. You really are. Before you even start, you're you're behind the curve when it comes to success. You know, I've I've asked shop owners many times, you know, what what makes you stand out? What makes you why do people come to you? And almost always when I ask that question, they're stumped. They don't really have an answer. And when they do come up with an answer, it's usually something about the repair process or the car itself. You know, we we are we get it done right the first time or you know. You can trust us, that kind of stuff. But it doesn't really dig into what you're talking about here, which is really understanding the pain and the 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 difficulty it is to stand in front of that counter, leave their car and go away. Well, and I, you know, just understanding that changes everything. I think I, I think that's a that's a big part of it. But what people what what entrepreneurs in general have to realize is a is that they are the sole reason we exist, right? They, they are our financial future and the financial future of everyone else involved in that shop. And consequently, they're critical to the success of the shop. And you know, you, you were saying before, you know, of, of what makes each individual business unique or, or how you're differentiated. I think one of the great questions that shop owners have to be able to answer, it's as important as a, you know, an, ele- an elevator pitch, right? Is I know I'm expensive. I know I'm more expensive than other shops are. But can you fill in the butt? Can you, or, or are you just a butt? I mean, if you, <laughs> can you fill? Can you fill in the butt? I know I'm more expensive than other shops who do what I do are. But customers come to us because you know. However, you want to go ahead and and make that statement your own. That's a question that I think we all need to answer. And the simple answer is we love our customers. We love the fact that they trust us. We, we love the fact that they allow us to serve them. Um, and, and what is, what is that, what is that word trust all about? And, and these are all things that I don't want it to seem like I'm digressing that I'm moving away from that, that whole issue of, of empathy with a customer on the other side of the service counter. But I think these things are all critically important to that because we talk about trust all the time, but we never stop to analyze what exactly that means. You know, trust is accountability. I know things are, you know, I, I the, the, the relationship that exists between you and a client is never really fully defined until there's a problem. And then it's defined only by the way you're able to meet or exceed the customer's expectation, right? It has nothing to do with, with, with you, really. It has to do with the customer and what you're willing to do to make it right in their eyes, not in your eyes and their eyes. And what that customer is, you know, if you understand what the lifetime value of a customer is, then you can make an, you know, an informed decision about whether you want to keep them or not. But I think that's important. So you've got accountability, right? You've got responsibility. And, and I hyphenate responsibility into two words, response and ability, your ability to respond. And then you can throw at the end of that a little, you know, a little in parentheses, willingness. So you've got accountability, you've got responsibility, dependability. Are you dependable? Reliability. And reliability and dependability are not the same thing because we all know people that are reliably undependable. So, <laughs> so you know those kinds of those kinds of those are the kinds of elements that go in, into trust and integrity, of course. And and I and I'd like everybody that's listening to us to go to the dictionary and look up integrity because what it really means is is oneness, wholeness. You know your your ability. 
to be who you say you are. So you're saying you can't just print this stuff on a postcard. You actually have to figure out how to live it. I, that's think, that's, I, I, think, I think people can sniff out a phony a mile away. You can't give people an opportunity to hold you captive by the stereotypes and the stigmas that have plagued our industry for 100 years by falling into the trap of, of being all of those things that have given our industry a bad rap, you know, and, and it takes time. It takes work. It's, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's unpleasant at times. And it's unfair at times, especially when something goes wrong. But ultimately, it's the only way that you're going to go from, you know, surviving to succeeding. So it's worth it's worth the, you know, you ask any shop owner that's, that's become successful, they'll tell you it's worth the journey. So, and it starts, it, it really starts by recognizing that every broken car is accompanied by a broken person. And if you don't fix that broken person, you haven't accomplished the damn thing. Nothing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, uh, I'm just going to say one thing, if I can, that I, I have really, it's funny. I, in most cases, when I talk to a member, when it comes to anything related to car, they, there's nothing about the car they don't understand. Right. They get they understand it, especially, you know, the service side of it. Right. So I make a bunch of recommendations and some of them get taken care of. Some of them don't. The ones that get paid for obviously increase our average ticket. The other ones get put into um, services for the future. And hopefully we're good at communicating that down the road. But all that documentation and all that conversation about the car usually goes pretty well. And in doing so, all of the stuff you're talking about, Mitch, is completely ignored. Yeah. The, the people side of it, right? So, you know, when you say there's no broken car that isn't accompanied by a broken person, you know, the broken car part, we got that, <laughs> right? The broken person part, huh? <laughs> right? Seriously. No, that's, and, that's that, and that is, it is such a profoundly important aspect of what we do, and yet it's ignored, like as you just said, ignored by so many. And it takes and 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 realistically, we've all been in positions where we've been uncomfortable in a service interaction where something hasn't gone right, or something hasn't gone well, or something hasn't been explained properly. We know what that feeling is as human beings on the planet. You know, if we're older than twelve, we know what that feeling is because we've had it. Why can't we stop and? recognize what it feels like for that person on the other side of the service counter when they're when they're especially a first time client coming in recognizing how fearful and uncomfortable they might be they might not show it but there's a lot of anxiety there i mean they've had to change their whole life around in order to just to get just to get there just just showing up is a real issue so it's important it's important that we recognize that um i take my car to an api member I don't own a shop anymore. I don't fix it myself. If I if I went outside, my wife would not let me bring my tools home because if I'm not allowed to touch anything that's greasy, it's a, my life would end. She would kill me if I touched anything with the, with grease on it because she's convinced that that's what that's the that's what gave me bone marrow cancer. So I take my car to an ATI member. The ATI member is 25 miles from where I live. All right. Takes me more than a half an hour to get there, more than a half an hour to go pick it up. I have no problem with that because they do everything right. They take the time to explain. They make me feel like Norm when I walk through the front door. Hey, Mitch, how you doing? Good to have you back again. Is everything okay? How's Leslie? They've got their act together. You know, they make me feel, they help me relax and feel comfortable in an environment that's so foreign to so many other people. You know, do they act that way because I'm charming? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but realistically, uh, I've been I've been I've been in the waiting room, which is very it's it's small, but it's very comfortable, very attractive. I've been in the waiting room where I've seen them do it time and time again, you know, and, and just 
disarming the customer, having them feel more comfortable at that particular moment makes everything else go so much more smooth. smooth. What did you say to me earlier before we actually started recording? Something about if you're going to get in business, you should get a psychology degree first. I, I think it's critically important. You should take <laughs> some courses in psychology before you open a shop or, or at least if you've opened the shop, then go get some or read some books on psychology. You've got to understand. You've got to have that empathy. You've got to have that understanding for what your customer is going through at any particular moment during that conversation, recognizing that they're dealing with what is obviously a blind item, right? Automotive repair to 90% of the American public is a, is a blind item. They don't know anything about it. You know, they, they, they couldn't be more, I hate to say this, but for the most part, they couldn't be more ignorant. And, wow. and here they are, they're being forced to trust somebody that they don't necessarily know. All they know of is reputation, right? Who's going to tell them that they need to do this, this, and that, and it's going to cost X, Y, and Z. And it's kind of important that, that we recognize that that's not such an easy thing to do. You know, it really isn't an easy thing to do, especially, you know, think about it, something as simple as an oil leak, right? There's, there's nothing simple about an oil leak, by the way. But something as simple as an oil leak, right? Having, you know, when people come in, used to come into the shop and say, well, I've got an oil leak. I'd say, no, you don't. And they said, well, yeah, I do. It's in the driveway. I know I have an oil leak. I said, oil leaks are like dance. There's no such thing as just one, <laughs> you know? So you have to tell a client in the beginning, you know, we need, there's a process involved in this. We, we always go back to the same thing. There's a process involved. Is we have to go ahead and put ultraviolet dye in the car. We have to run the car. We have to drive the car. We have to come back. We have to put it up in the air. We have to look at it. And hopefully we'll be able to find the worst week first. So we're managing expectations when we do that, right? But if you have if you have no gestalt, if you have no understanding, if you have no recognition of the fact that you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know what you know, you're taking an awful lot for granted. Yeah, yeah. That's really powerful what you just said. That's awesome. I, I, how often does that happen? And you know... Yeah. I'm wondering if you're a business owner listening to this, you might say to yourself, well, that, I don't really do that. I, I, I get it. I'm, I've, I've passed that, right? I, I've, I've learned those lessons that Mitch has learned and I'm, I'm older too. And I've had my 20 years or so in the trenches and I've gotten past that. And then I would say, does the person who, is it your counter understand that? Does uh, everybody in your business understand that really? Because it's not just one individual, it's all individuals that really need. Well, how many times, how many times have you been at a business? And I'm not saying just automotive businesses, but any business at all, where you got the distinct impression you were a pain in the ass. <laughs> wait, wait, how much time do we have? <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. I mean, you, yeah. you walk in and you're in it, you know, what was that? What's the old, the old bumper sticker? Where, you know, we could get a lot more work done around here. Wasn't for those damn customers. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the fact that, you know, how many times have you felt like you were in imposition? How many times have, have, have anybody who's listening to this right now made a client feel like they were in imposition, like they were taking up your valuable time, like you didn't have enough time for them, like, you know, like you needed to get back to do something else, like you were talking to them while you were doing something else? Yeah, we've all done it. So, I mean... I mean, realistically, what is, you know, how, how difficult is empathy? It's no more difficult than eye contact. You know, it starts with eye contact. It starts with recognition that whoever's standing in front of you is pretty important. You know, if, 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 if you've got a decent average invoice and you don't like people in general, just, you know, look at $400, $500 standing on the other side of that counter and, and recognize what you're going <laughs> to just... Just look at a big S with dollar, you know, lines through it. I'm not recommending that, by the way. So don't take me seriously. Don't no, take me literally on it. Whatever it takes, make the eye contact. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And and try and understand. And Smile. Try and, it, it's not enough just to understand. It's 
you've got to you've got to help the person that you're talking to, male or female. You know, understand that that you un- that you understand that you're making an effort to understand that you recognize it's difficult for them, and that you want to make it as easy as possible. You want to make it as as painless as you can. If there's such you know, there's a painless dentistry, so maybe we should have painless auto repair. Maybe that'd be a great tagline for somebody. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and Mitch, as you're talking, something came to mind. Enterprise rental car gets this. Now, I don't know if they get this at the human interaction level, but from the advertising level, they get this. Their slogan has been for years, pick enterprise, we'll pick you up. That's it, right? So what are they saying? I get that you can't drive two cars at the same time. I get that you need to inconvenience other people in your life to be able to make this happen. And I get that that pain can be alleviated if we just come get you. And as simple as that is, it's brilliant because everywhere you go on the planet, when you say rental car near me, what comes up on your phone? (laughs) Enterprise, right? And as soon as you see that, you go, oh, that's the one that'll pick me up. And the truth is, Mitch, they'll all pick you up. But there's only one that tells the public. That articulates it. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's really what we're talking right. about here. All the shops can fix cars, right? I That's a low level expectation. I, I expect them to fix the car. It's the experience I have that I, I didn't expect. It's that, wow, that, that, that they get me, like you just said, that I didn't expect. And it, it's really simple. It's, it's not complicated, especially if you've got a decent average invoice. We keep coming back to the same thing again. You've got to understand all of these different aspects of your business simultaneously. Uh, you know what it costs you to put a porter in a car and take a car to a customer, drop the car off, pick up the customer's car and bring it back. Or worse yet, what it takes to put two people in a car, to go pick up the car. But there's a cost involved in that. And you can measure that cost against your average invoice and, rec- and just make a, a simple business decision. Is that worth it or not? And the fact of the matter is that it's probably one of the least expensive things that you can do to make more money because the resistance you would have to a subsequent sale based on your inspection will go down in inverse proportion to the convenience that you've afforded your customer by a simple act. You know, to prove that that's true, I have talked with members that do this. And every single time they tell me that when they do a pickup and delivery, on average, their average repair order is two to three times higher than their standard average repair order when they do a pickup and delivery. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Think about that. But, but you just think of what's happening subconsciously. And, you know, for going back to this idea of what's going on on the other side of the counter, right? Think of what's going on in their mind subconsciously. You've made it easier. You've eliminated all of the difficulties. You've made it simpler for them to do that. There's a, you know, I know that you guys talk a lot about the law of reciprocity, mm-hmm. right? And, and for anybody out there who's not familiar with that is that if I do something nice for you, you feel, you feel like you have to do something nice for me. You have to reciprocate. So I think that it's all of these aspects of this relationship are critically important. And I think that one of the most important things that, that, that I could possibly say in a discussion like the one we're having right now is that we are seriously misguided when we continue to talk about customer relationship management because it sounds like we're trying to manage the customer and they're really what we're trying to do is manage our own relationship with the customer because the only thing that we can manage is our actions or or lack of action you know all we can manage is the way we act and react to what the customer does so we're not going to get the customer to do anything they don't want to do if you, if you think you're going to do that and if you can do that please contact jeff or contact me and let us know how you did it because <laughs> 
<laughs> I think, you know, there's a, there's a best-selling book there somewhere. But the fact of the matter is, based upon how you act, based upon how anxious you are to relate to your customer, right? That's what relationships all about, isn't it? Based upon that, that's how successful you're going to be with regard to the financial reward you're going to get for taking the time to love your customer and to understand them and to recognize how difficult and how, you know, they, they put a lot at risk. I mean, if you think about it for a moment, the investment is all one-sided when the customer comes through that door. They're the ones at risk. You know you can fix the car. You know what you're going to do at your end. They have no idea, especially if it's a first-time customer. They're going based upon your advertisement. They're based upon you know what they've heard in the neighborhood, based upon a customer referral, you know, a friend's referral or family member or friend. They don't know how that's going to relate to what happens to them when they're there. They've got no idea. So if we can't, if we can't, I won't even say can't, if we are unwilling to invest the effort, the time, the emotional content in order to make that customer feel like they're appreciated and genuinely recognized. I, I don't know whether we teach this in, in the classes, but the two most powerful human emotions that I can think of are, are recognition and appreciation. They're the prime motivators in most any relationship. And most people will leave a relationship when they don't feel appreciated and they don't feel recognized. So the question you can ask yourself when you're at the counter or you're, you know, you're the owner or you're a service advisor or you're trying to get your service side advisor to do a better job or to do a good job is say, have, have you let that customer know how much you appreciate their being there and the fact that you recognize how important they are to the success of your business? Because if you haven't done that, I don't, I'm not sure that anything else matters. Can I say that that also matters with your staff too? <laughs> no, it, it, it's critical. It's, it's even all more people, important. Right? It's not just customers. It's all people. It's all people. Yeah. It, it, and my feeling basically, and, and I think that we, we talked about this in the past, is that if you if you treat your customers that way, if you understand what their fears and apprehensions are, if you understand what their wants, needs, and expectations are, and you let them know that you care, they'll do the same thing for your clients or anybody else that comes in contact with your business. Yes, they will. Well said. So Mitch, in, in future podcasts, did you want to give them a little kind of Review what we planned on doing moving forward, since it's really more coming out of you than me. Uh, no, you're you're a great interviewer. It's it's a lot of fun doing this together because you tend to bring the best out of me, which is <laughs> not easy all the time. Um, oh, it's easy as heck, and believe me. Yeah, it's like, I got the easy end of this job. Yeah, like hurting ants with a stick, I think. But <laughs> I think what I'd like to do next, um, and I, I'd really love to hear from our listeners, uh, what I'd like to do next is I'd like to go ahead and talk about an overview of all of the steps involved in client service provider interaction, starting with the moment a client or potential client hears about your business until after the vehicle is delivered and, and we talk about follow-up. And I, I'd like to break that down um, into sections. And, and I, you'll understand when we do that, why it's critically important to do that, because one of those components is estimate. And you can't give anybody an estimate until you've done a diagnosis. And you can't do a diagnosis until you've done inspection and testing, evaluation and analysis. And all of those take place prior. And if you don't understand that as a shop owner, as a business owner, or a service advisor, if you don't have an appreciation for that, you can't possibly handle uh, the request for an estimate intelligently when it happens. So I think it's important to talk about that whole arc of what takes place beginning to end. And then I'd like to go ahead and subsequent podcasts, break that down into sections and talk about each of those components or, or a group of those components in more depth. So we have a greater understanding, we being you, have a greater understanding what that's all about. And, and again, I think Jeff and I both 
uh, agree on the fact that we would really appreciate uh, your feedback on in this. And, and if you have any, if there are subjects that you feel are critically important that we should be talking about now um, that are timely, not that anything's going on with inflation or, <laughs> you know, not that there are economic conditions that are difficult or, no, or not at all. you know, like, no, you know, the only two things that Jeff and I have agreed that we're not going to talk about are politics and religion. So, and we'll probably break that promise anyway, but that's a different issue. <laughs> I hope not. So, so um, yeah, we, we love the opportunity this affords us to, uh, to get to know you better and to understand your wants, needs, and expectations, you know, in, in, in greater depth. So what I would, would say is, you know, the next time we cut together and next mom, come on, we'll, we'll give you this overview of this, however many steps, how many steps did you say it was 27 steps? I know. I think that last count, it was like 12 or 15. Okay. So we'll talk about these 15 or so items in more of, as Mitch said, a kind of an overview. And what I'd like to do is have you guys, when you're listening, think about, you know what, that particular piece I could contribute to, or I'd like to talk more about. So when we get to those individual podcasts over the ones that follow, we'd love to have guests come on and be a part of that, either because they find interest in it or because they have something of value they want to share from what they've learned in that particular scenario. Whether or or, be, or they, they want to dig deeper. Or they want to dig deeper. Yeah. So, you know, th this would be a great chance for you guys, because I know a lot of times when I talk to you all and we say, you know, you, you want to do a podcast, but you don't know what you want to talk about. This would be a way for you to be thinking about, hey, I can fit in here, right? And then let Mitch or I know, and we'll we'll make it happen. We'd we'd love to have you guys join us in this. I think and it really and please understand that, that each <clears throat> of these individual components in this total overview of a process involved can be broken down still further. So you know you can drill down as deep as as you want to as you, as you need to in order to understand it. Because we can't we can't fix things that we don't understand that, that we. So it, I, I think that's part of that's part of what we're talking about here, because we want to make sure that that the person on the service end of the counter isn't as broken as the person on the other end of the counter. You know, we'd like to, we'd like to go ahead and make sure that uh, we're addressing all of these needs, wants and expectations simultaneously. Well, Mitch, I think we're ready to wrap it up for today. What do you think? Well, I think we should talk for another couple of hours. <laughs> I don't think we'd have any problem doing that. I'm looking at the clock. We already have talked for a couple of hours, I know that. I know <laughs> even that. though this one's about 45 minutes. But anyway, so Mitch, this was great as always. And uh, to all of you listening, we'll, we'll see you next month. Thanks. You have been listening to Driving Change from ATI. If you liked what you've heard today and feel you have something compelling to share with your fellow shop owners, we're waiting to hear from you. You can contact me, Jeff Berman, by emailing podcast at autotraining.net. Let me know what it is you can't wait to share how I can reach you. Make sure you follow this podcast so you're notified when the next podcast is available. If you're unfamiliar with ATI and you want to learn more, you can check us out online at autotraining.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.